0: Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Dez Washington on the show. Dez is an amazing entrepreneur, downtown expert, a B2B coordinator for the Metro Black Chamber of Commerce, and the Burger Master. We really get into the nitty-gritty of burger stuff, opening restaurants, downtown, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Dez Washington. Fresno's Best. Fresno's best. So, Des, where do you like to eat in Fresno?
1: Oh, my God. So.
0: I know this is a hard question.
1: Especially being
0: a food world person. I get it. But just just give it a shot. Just swing.
1: So, you know what? Off the top of my head, I'm going to have to say Libalula. I often quote that as my favorite. Um, Favorites is a really hard thing for me. Ask me favorite anything, music, movie. I'm like, please don't ask me that. Mm -hmm. So if I have to choose though, like just based on sheer volume alone of how much love I give one restaurant, Libalula is my jam Mm -hmm. for
0: real.
1: And that is uh, next to the Crest Theater downtown. Um, they actually just opened up another one at the Starline, which I haven't been to yet because I really? don't. I haven't made it outside a lot. Why well, haven't, haven't been there either? I didn't
0: it. know they opened up a new one. That's exciting. They
1: did. They did. And I'm really juiced to get over there because, like, Tower and downtown, that is that's me all day. I'll go out of my way for food, but you know, if I don't have to, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So being someone that's in the industry, does that change how you approach sitting down at a restaurant? Do you, can you like turn it off or just like enjoy it as a consumer or how do you do that?
1: The only, so being in the industry, there are two things that I think I'm extremely picky about. And the only time it really shows like really rears its head when it comes to burgers, I'm very particular. You go somewhere with me and you're like, Oh, I'm going to get a burger. I'm only going to go, yeah, get a burger like 10% of the time. The Mm. rest of the time, I'm just going to be like, hmm, okay. You know, (laughs) because I feel I am really judgy about burgers. And even though I am the grumpy burger lady, I'm particular about what I personally like. It's fine what everybody else likes. But when it comes to burgers, I'm really kind of can be shady. And then (laughs) when it comes to customer service that's for me, like whatever you do with your food, how you plate, how you present, whatever customer service for me though, is where you'll hear me. Like, I would not do this, this way. (laughs) Like this is not okay. This is not cool. If you have bad customer service, you're going to hear from my professional side, like, because I know as a person who serves people every day, Mm -hmm. you know, how I go about my customers. So that's when you mostly see it from me when I'm in the industry
0: and some a lot of restaurants will just have a burger on a menu almost like because you just have to
1: like an afterthought like yeah. this is American food
0: yeah because they yeah. just assume that there's going to be some kind of uncultured person that arrives at the steakhouse and like I don't know what I want to order so I just, they're I'll not just wrong
1: though there are a lot of those people
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah <out> absolutely <laughs> but it doesn't mean you should eat it right doesn't mean you should
1: order it. Yeah. And if you go with me and you order it, I probably will judge you unless it's a recommended burger.
0: Okay. Well, let's just (laughs) jump into our first topic, which is burgers. Awesome. Um, (laughs) And and so what is for you the most underrated part of a burger? You know, the, the patty is, is, is the, is the center of course. Uh, but there's many other things that come on a burger. There's sauces, there's the buns. Uh, some people, are right. hot on the tomato which you know you do you um what for you is maybe the most underrated part the people the part that people don't think about but for you makes a good burger
1: I think a part that I think people don't think about as much as they should is the bun far too often you get a burger they've done nothing to the bun they just pulled it out and they made the burger on top of it To me, this is not something that you do. My bun always has to be grilled. It's usually buttered. So it's a little crispy. You know what I mean? Like for my smush burgers, um, grilling the bun is really a part of the experience. Like the fact that it has that like crust and crisp on top. And then in the middle, it's all melty gooey. That's a big part of that burger. But even before when I was making regular, you know, hamburgers at take three, That bun being grilled is imperative. There is never a time when I would put all those beautiful, delicious toppings on top of an unprepared bun. So Mm. for me, the bun is very underrated. The type of bun you need, the texture of it, the bite of it, and is it or is it not grilled? Is it not is not an option for me personally.
0: Because it's the first thing you taste. And like I've had a bunch of different experiences, like I've had potato buns, brioche buns, uh, you know, even there's burger places where you'll get like sourdough or or mm-hmm. different options. Uh, what for you is the pinnacle of the bun on a burger?
1: Mm, you know what? We used to use um, this roll from Max, Max's Bistro at Take Three. And I would have to say, I can identify it when I go to any restaurant that that's mm-hmm. what they're using as well. And I will say, so I think I have a special... A special place in my heart for that but if you just wanted to be like across the board you can walk into any grocery store and get it uh, just brioche you to me you can't go wrong the sweetness of the brioche bun um they're typically very soft sometimes too soft but i would say um the, it's always more pros than cons with a brioche bun you can hardly go wrong
0: next question Does <laughs> does american cheese belong on a burger
1: Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, defend American cheese because it's 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 been attacked, you know, American people cheese. People trying to
1: come for American cheese?
0: I I mean, it, pre-melted American cheese looks like some kind of sci-fi substance. I get After it. it's melted it's good, but I think there's a move against American cheese in the sense that burger places are having a lot more options for the kinds of cheese you can add on a burger, True. which tells me that some people are resisting uh, the staple of American cheese. So, so in your mind, it does belong on a burger.
1: Oh, absolutely. And being in the burger industry, you know, and especially the last restaurant that we had had, it was build your own. So you had all your own options, which people actually hate by the way, most people want you to tell them what to eat. It's kind of the same thing with cocktails too. They, a lot of times people don't walk, they get overwhelmed, like build my own, like (laughs) too many options. Um, So in, in most cases that build your own thing, you would think it's a perk, but a lot of people don't build their own, but being that we had several options, you'd be surprised. The majority of people are just like the yellow one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, know. and I think when you, when I think of a cheeseburger personally, I think American cheese, I don't think. So if you want to get into why
0: A Swiss, or well,
1: I have worked with Gruyere, or like a super-aged cheddar. Or, um, you know, like my number one most hated cheese on a burger is regular like sharp cheddar. To me, it just does not come through ever and give what it needs to give.
0: Does it melt well? Does sharp cheddar melt well? When it
1: melts down, for one, it looks all greasy and low-key translucent, which I don't. So to me, it's not appealing in the way that it looks. It's not salty enough. So it doesn't add that salt factor that you're going to get from American um, or like, you know, and so like some part people might wanna be fancy and be like, oh, give me cheddar. And, mm. but that to me, like if you're really tasting it, yeah. are you just trying to be fancy or is it about what it tastes like? You know what yeah. I mean? That's false fancy,
0: it's false fancy. You're but when I use the other the pieces, cheeses, yeah, I like but, You know, <laughs> it's, it's not real.
1: It's not, um, but those other like more pungent cheeses, yes, depending on what you're pairing it with. Mm. But if you're just going for a regular cheeseburger, American all day.
0: Okay. All right, let's talk about smash burgers. I know we can talk about smush burger a little bit later, but let's talk about smash burgers because they're all in it. vogue right now. Mm-hmm. Um, are smash burgers slightly overrated given their prevalence? And it, are thicker patty burgers officially dead as a concept?
1: Oh, <gasps> you are getting real controversial today. I'm just
0: asking, asking <laughs> questions.
1: You know what? I'm not going to say smash burgers are overrated again, I love food. So there are some smash burgers that I I have had and really like. It's all about like what you're looking for though. Like, so a smash burger is these small, like kind of crispy patties. When I think about like meat and how I like it, it's not the way I prefer ground beef to be prepared. The The reason I always work with a larger size patty is because you have options to get multiple things in that one patty a larger patty you can get a crisp on the outside but still have it be soft and a little under on the inside you know what i mean melty mm-hmm. and whereas something that's thin and small it's just gonna be crispy and there's the potential for it being crusty if the person working the grill just was not here for it today and didn't like pay close attention because it's a
0: fine line right between yeah, it's a very you fine just-
1: line between crispy and crunchy
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I will say that my tastes and preferences have evolved towards that smash style. I, I won't name the restaurant, but if you know, you know, Mm -hmm. I got this thing called, I think it's called a boulder um, at a burger place. Um, And it was like a half pound patty. And it, it felt like my whole burger experience was just a giant mouthful of ground beef meat and it's just like it was just like it was overwhelming because i've been used to these really thin and i i get the smash patty because it's really a it's a textural thing and you get more surface area that has that you know that texture that we all love but at the same time if i'm gonna get a thick burger i want it medium, maybe medium rare uh, yeah. And I, and, it, and if you can't do that, well, I mean, I just don't know what the point is, but that's I number. actually am
1: going to agree with you on that one. Like if you're asking me, would I prefer like a well-cooked smash burger over a half pound patty of like not well-seasoned meat, not well-cooked meat, not the right proportion of toppings, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has to be the right bun and topping ratio to meat. Half pound of meat is a lot of damn meat. So, mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, How many burgers should people eat a month?
1: (laughs) There has to be like an additional piece to the question. Well, okay. So let me, let me give, let me give you context. (laughs)
0: Let me give you context. So uh, a few years ago uh, when AOC was pushing the green new deal, she said people shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then she also sent out a sheet that said, we need to work harder to get rid of farting cows.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, right. it's
0: very sophisticated terminology there. Farting cows. So the question is, how many burgers should people eat a month?
1: I mean, so that's just not for me to say. As okay. the burger lady, I don't feel like I can weigh in on that argument at all. Okay, you know. Well, how
0: do you think about climate change then? How, do, how, does, that, <laughs> how does that get into? <laughs> how how do I think
1: about burgers in in reference? Burgers to in, in the context change. of climate
0: change is what I'm kind of hinting at.
1: You know. Big picture, I'm definitely on board for reducing climate change. I don't know that cow farts is where I personally want to start. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Fair enough.
1: It is is an issue. It is an issue I feel like we as a country should be paying attention to. I don't know that how many hamburgers, see I feel like it's more so like all of these like mega chain restaurants and like how much of that is even really cow, you know? at a lot of these places we've identified that the bigger parts of the problem Right, which is this? These like mega factories and stuff pumping out all this tons and tons of mm. crap.
0: Yeah. That
1: to me is the bigger issue. Like, um,
0: yeah. I mean, it's a complicated. You know, it's not a question for us to decide, no. right? Like, no, it's one of those like governmental, <laughs> uh like big picture macroeconomic questions. And I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I I, I, I think know we need to think about how it, part. but. I don't yeah. think
1: to answer this question. Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Um, okay, so let's let's switch gears for a minute and let's talk okay. about uh, opening and operating businesses downtown. Um, so yeah. the context I'm thinking about here is um, is twofold. Uh, one, you're kind of in a pivot point uh, downtown where there's some kind of revitalization. There's some you know, Mm -hmm. still some kinks that are working out with getting consumers or customers downtown. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you also have uh, this new kind of move towards uh, remote work, which a lot of downtown lunch businesses depend on uh, the foot traffic uh, by office workers. Right. And so it seems like there's a series of challenges. Um, So how do you think about those challenges? um, And how do you think, what do you think is the best way of addressing them?
1: So, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I am terrified uh, to open my storefront downtown. Um, I have been a person who's been involved in downtown revitalization for almost a decade now. Um, We had a restaurant down there for almost seven years. Um, We actually still hold the lease for the building, but we, um, we closed in December of 2021, basically because of what you're talking about, those huge buildings across the street emptying out, Few people came back, a lot of people don't, a lot of people are choosing to work remotely. So as this, everything's like shifting, right? And it's this constant flux. Nothing has been consistent since COVID started. It's really hard to know, to be able to say, this is the right way to do it, or that is the right mm. thing, thing to do. It's really just pivot, 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 pivot. So, um I would say uh, one thing that I would suggest restaurants do in this climate is be very creative. Um, I definitely um, am not jumping back and expecting when I open my storefront that I'm gonna have a ton of hours downtown because so we're just really we had started to really get to a pretty good place in terms of traffic downtown before this started, but then imagine losing thirty percent. of your clientele from those office buildings, what the other stuff you're building cannot sustain you. All those things you're trying to do are not enough to sustain this entire business, you know, with, with losses like that. Um, but I have seen lots of larger crowds at art hop. Those event nights can be huge for those downtown business owners, you know, one or two of those a month can be a savior for your business. Um, You know, so that's, I think, on the positive side, something that I have seen happen is um, seeing a lot more foot traffic on those outdoor events. Mm. Also, I've noticed that people are understanding about paying more for food, right? Inflation is crazy. And right now um, I feel like maybe a lot of people, like food is still our greatest joy out of COVID. That's my theory, it's Mm -hmm. my great, it's almost like one of the best things that I have in my life at times during all of this, you know, because we're never getting so many life challenges every day. Um, food I think has been most people's like saving grace. I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to pay what you asked me for. I'm like, I have felt those vibes from my customers. People don't give me a hard time about how much I have to charge. It's kind of like they understand. I would say pre COVID people will comment on what you're charging or, you know, that kind of stuff. So
0: yeah, yeah
1: that's, uh, there's well, a lot of,
0: yeah. And it, go, let's jump back to the hours thing for a second, because mm-hmm. You know that's tricky for you, right? So as a as a business owner, and you're thinking about hours, you know every every hour you have the business open, that costs you money. It's a
1: cost. It's a, right. cost. It's a cost. It's a it's a, the a
0: fix. There's fixed costs. You have the uh, you know you're paying the employees to stand there even if there's no one in line. Mm-hmm. You're paying for utilities. You're paying to keep the grills on, ready to go. Um, sometimes the food that you prepare you can't put away yep. in store, and so but you know so you try and reduce that by narrowing your hours. Um, but then that makes it complicated for two reasons, right? Um, you hard know, for your customers hard for your customers because they don't really know when your hours are and then maybe they maybe they drive all the way downtown because they're excited to try travel burgers. That you're and yep. they realize they're closing and they're just pissed and they're That's like, the I'm not part. coming back here again. And then you have your employees, right that want consistent shifts hours
1: absolutely. you know and
0: and then if you don't give them consistent shifts, then they're on to the next place that can. And so yep. it seems like a, I, I don't know what the solution is other than customer loyalty, maybe. I'm not and sure. I would
1: say what you just described was an issue pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. That was the exact situation even before it got worse, yeah. is that there's not enough foot traffic to justify being open. You know, and I think a big thing people don't consider, too, that that I always go back to is quality of life for business owners, A lot of people don't prioritize quality of life. Sure, it's easy to keep your business open later hours when you yourself staff your business. Then all that money is coming back to you and your family. But where's the quality of life? You know, Mm -hmm. I could stay open two or three extra hours, have me and my man and my kids come work, you know, and get those hours and whatever we do or don't. It's less of a loss for me, but it's a loss of my time. It's a loss of my family time. It's a loss of my quality of life. So that also has to be factored in.
0: Do you think we just need to pivot more towards residential downtown, more apartment complexes? I mean, just given the way that things are moving with the economy where, you know, my wife is very much into like web three stuff and thinking Mm -hmm. about like, you know, virtual office spaces and those kinds of things. And I, you know, I mean, if we look at projections, it's probably going in the bad direction in terms of what we've been talking about. So do you think that's the solution is just having more people living in proximity to you?
1: I know from a lot of like the committees that I sit on and stuff that housing downtown is like the number one priority for a lot of these groups, like building it, but you know, all the factors that go into it and that's not my wheelhouse, but what I hear sitting in these spaces is like, these buildings are very dilapidated. There's no money, like the people who have enough money to fix them can't really justify the cost right in a city like this. Not yet. I think a lot of that will progress with this high speed rail thing. I think it's just a matter of time. I think the majority of what we've been trying to see happen in downtown is going to be mostly dependent on that high-speed rail happening. Yeah. And that'll make a big shift for both businesses and housing because then investors are going to want to come and do the stuff we can't get them to come and do now. Mm. Um, you know, and we don't, uh, Fresno is as is a, is a, is a really poor city and that downtown has been really neglected for a very long time
0: yeah well it, it seems like companies like bitwise were uh pushing this idea that we're going to have we're going to lease the space for offices or or co-working spaces or whatever they do um and but the industry that they're pushing to is the industry that's going remote. Right, it's <laughs> so going remote. So it's most kind difficult. of, oh, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a situation maybe that maybe we're just pushing in the wrong direction. Maybe we need to push harder and making it like this playground of a residential community for people so they can just live. And, you know, maybe they work remotely and live downtown and then get to enjoy the nightlife. Maybe that's the solution.
1: I mean, and and there's definitely still room for small business in that. Ideally for me, what my perfect Fresno downtown would look like is a lot of multi-use spaces. I've always Mm. dreamed of living in an apartment above like a pizza shop. I don't know why, but like (laughs) since I was a kid. Do you like
0: that smell or what? Yeah,
1: (laughs) I guess so. You see it on TV and I guess Uh it just seemed like the coolest thing in the world. And I still low-key have that child in my heart that wants to live above my own burger shop like and just walk down the stairs and put the open sign open. So for me, I would love to see, you know, storefronts on the bottom, residential on top, and just a lot more activation and activity.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to jump to a section I call overrated versus underrated, where I throw a bunch of things out at you and you take a stance one way or another. Okay. Uh, first one, uh, the Impossible Burger, over or underrated?
1: Overrated. Why? Because it gross. First of all, I don't understand why you need to create fake blood with plants. <laughs> you're a plant-based person. What do you need this beet juice blood for? It grosses me out. It smells like plastic. I'm sorry, y'all. I'll cook them for you. But to me, it's the most disgusting thing on earth.
0: Do you have a favorite, if you're not going meat, do you have a favorite plant Eat burger? This-
1: no, I think my favorite would be me making them, and I just don't have the capacity to do it. So,
0: mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've tried a lot of the different preference. ones. Uh, for me, Beyond Burgers better than Impossible. Uh, more for I they both reasons. smell
1: funny. They both yeah, they
0: both have weird things going on. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if the future. I think that's less of the future than. Lab grown meat for people that have ethical reasons for not consuming ground beef or whatever. Right. Uh, But you know, I because it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not
1: healthy. It's not like it's which is weird to me. I've been seeing this trend of a lot of these vegan chefs on Instagram, and they're always making these fake meat products in every recipe they make. And I'm like, is this healthy for you to be consuming this amount of genetically modified food that's just created literally in a lab. (laughs) Like what's, why be vegan? (laughs) There's actually a lot of proven health benefits to meat too. I'm a really low iron person. I'm not here to get into any arguments with anybody about food, but (laughs) you know, I love meat (laughs) personally. So I'm like, why are we eating these fake like lab created? If you just want to eat vegetables, eat vegetables, make your own. By the way, Cocky's has an amazing homemade burger patty right now for everybody to go and try.
0: Noted. And I agree with you. I think I think you just need to learn how to cook. That's what it is, you know, with plants, you know, like just do it well. And you don't need to replicate some experience that you had at some place. All right. Next one. Uh, small menus over underrated. Underrated. Why?
1: I think large menus are, are overwhelming to people. I think in my experience in food and beverage, like I said, um, the less options you give people, the better. Like in my bar uh, business, I always recommend people have prefix menus. Save time on all your preparations mm-hmm. and also save time of the person standing in front of your bar going, um, um, um. And I think it's the same thing at restaurants. You give them too many options, they get confused.
0: Yeah. And I I, I tend to, because uh, it feels like they do things better when you have a smaller... Yes thing that you know because because there's always those restaurants where there's like 65 new things on the menu and you're like should i try this did they make this are they just having this on the menu so they can we can see it like you gonna tell
1: me you make good jambalaya and good fried rice like i don't know i just yeah and if you have
0: those kind of things on your menu you know a lot of that stuff is pre-made like you go to the cheesecake factory like you're not getting fresh food don't kid yourself um, I try not okay. to
1: burst people's bubble, but a lot of things that people eat are pre-made. Like a lot more than people would expect.
0: <laughs> Oof. Um, next one. Uh, incubator programs over or underrated?
1: Underrated? Uh, middle. I'm in the middle on that. Okay. <laughs> I think it depends on which program it is.
0: Okay. Explain your ambivalence.
1: Um, Because I think some are, are very helpful. And then I think others are just kind of BS and people kind of jumping on a trend of this is what people are doing kind of thing. Like,
0: yeah. You know, so you, you feel, feel like it can be it's a waste of time that you just need to go pursue your idea. Yeah. 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 Okay. But
1: sometimes I have been through cohorts and like incubators that I felt were very beneficial. And then I've been through ones that I just sit through for whatever money or what incentive I get for being part of it. And you know, if, if I got nothing, I got nothing, but whatever. Yeah.
0: Like the timeshare meeting for a bottle of tequila. There we go. Um, All right. Next one Uh, delivery apps for businesses uh, over or underrated?
1: Super overrated. And I would really love to see um, more independent people getting into delivery. I personally, as a restaurant, don't want to take on the liability of doing my own delivery, Um, though pizza restaurants have done it for years, right? But I personally don't want that liability. I think it would be great to see more independent contractors creating their own like team of delivery drivers that work independently with restaurants. Mm. I've been like putting this into the universe because I want to hire you. If you start this business, I do not want to go through apps at all. I think they're terrible and they take a lot of your money. And it's really hard to make ends meet with the food business period without someone taking 25 to 40% of your profit.
0: I want to give you 30 to 60 seconds and just lay into food delivery apps so people will know how horrible it is for small businesses fire away
1: i mean uh, it's exactly what i just said 25 to 40 percent of the profit uh, of, a, of a restaurant goes to these food delivery apps also a lot of these mom and pop businesses, they don't even necessarily know how to do their pricing. Some of them are literally making nothing. They're just trying to survive. So consider it like that when you're going through an app, like you're literally taking money out of that business's pocket. And a lot of them are people who can't afford to lose that money. So you just going and doing it in person is a little bit better you know, than going about it that way. And I really hope that that industry dies off to small businesses.
0: I want to latch on to something you said there. You said that some people don't know how to do pricing. Do people, do some businesses need help in figuring out what their price model is? And why do you think, why do you think they underprice things?
1: So I work in small business development with the Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I say that with the knowledge that there are a lot of businesses that don't know a lot of things. Like I say this all the time with the partners that we work with, and in, in, in the small business mentorship preparation, I I tell them our clients only know what they know, right? If you know cupcakes, you just came in knowing cupcakes, not mm-hmm. bookkeeping, not marketing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not not price models. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily know, and someone can tell you. Oh, what? I've I've worked with people who have operational businesses, and I go what does it cost to make your product? And they go, what do you mean? Mm. They don't know, they know what they know and that's all they know. And there's a huge deficit, honestly. And um, so that's that's why this has become like the second passion for me, like as if I don't have enough jobs. Like I really love this other part of my work because I get to help other people like me. I've definitely been misinformed at times. I've definitely done things the wrong way, tons of times in business. Um, so I'm like, you know, knowledge is power trying to get all this information out as as much as I can.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I I mean, I blame consumers quite a bit. You know, you go on Yelp and you see people saying things are overpriced and it's like, do you really know what it costs to make that? I think people, whatever age they were teenagers, like they think that's how much a burger should cost, or that's how much a, a meal should cost. And, you know, I mean, if you just look at Not even the crazy inflation we're experiencing, but just regular inflation, like prices have to change,
1: you know, before COVID, there would be meat shortages or there would be, you know, vegetables that were tainted with E. coli, you know, there's different reasons for different things happening all the time. If you don't watch the news, I guess you don't know that that's going on. And you, you know, you go in and you're loudmouthing somebody who works at a restaurant, and it's like it mostly comes from ignorance, you know, that kind of thing. But people should pay attention to what's going on in the world for sure. If you know it's affecting you, know it's affecting everybody else. These gas prices don't just affect your car; they affect your beef. (laughs) They affect everything, you know, like.
0: Yeah, because someone's got to bring that beef to the restaurant so they can cook it. Mm. Um, next one, Mean Ed's Pizza, over or underrated?
1: Um, I think it's like just in the middle. I think like if you know, you know that it's hella bomb. If you don't like it, I don't personally understand people who don't like it. Um, but like, yeah, it's pretty
0: standard. It's like for me, like av- having moved here, it's like it is the standard pizza you know it's just kind of like what you get if you don't know what you want to get you know you just go get grab a me and ed's pizza yeah I, I
1: think there's a lot of stuff i don't like too there's a lot of types of pizzas i don't care for mm-hmm. the way they make the crust or their sauce or whatever yeah, me and ed's yeah. to me is can, can consistently develop deliver good pizza i don't yeah. have any bad me and ed's pizzas mostly
0: okay we kind of danced on this a little bit but let's go into a little more detail uh yelp okay. restaurant reviews over or yes. underrated
1: freaking hella overrated and complete bullshit you could give me 30 40 seconds to talk about that all right fire
0: away <laughs> yeah what, what what's wrong with him what it, isn't it just informing the consumer let me play devil advocate isn't it just informing the consumer
1: i i do i think that when a lot of these things were first created i just like when DoorDash or uber eats was first created the the idea behind it is great. But in a capitalistic society where you're going to constantly try to figure out how to monetize something, monetize something, monetize something, the industry of rating services literally has like restaurants in a chokehold. People know that if you don't like someone personally, you can go and attack them online and this is going to genuinely affect their business. And again, it goes back to ignorance or not. Like either I personally, when I read reviews, I know how to look at somebody who's just disgruntled and probably complains about everything versus somebody who like legit, like this. here's a picture of raw food I bought or a bug in my food, you know what I mean? So I know how to filter through, but a lot of people don't. A Mm -hmm. lot of people are not really seeking information. You see a two, you don't know that, you know, whatever. Like it might've just been on some BS. It's not fair. I think that's the thing is there's so many factors of it that make it not fair. Mm -hmm. And that's not cool to me.
0: And a lot of people just go based on the star rating, you know. So it's like got exactly. three and a half stars are like, all right, this is you're some not shady digging shit. in.
1: You're not really seeing like why. Yeah.
0: And, it's like maybe and also too, like businesses change, right? Like some businesses have a bad manager that just doesn't run the restaurant absolutely. well. And then and then they get a new manager who's going to fix things up, but then you can't erase the history on the Yelp page. You not like you can say, all right, this is before the bad manager. And this is after you just get the aggregate, which is just, you know, maybe I will say up. I felt
1: like we handled our, um, that pretty well as a business. When, um, I had a storefront, I, I always was very responsive. It was like, you know, I was good about responding. I do feel, feel that that's a way that a business can, um, you know get ahead of it a little bit and don't ignore it it's not going to go away you know sure. but i think being responsive i have literally like been like please come get a free meal i and and consider changing your review and people have came back for a free meal change their review. It's not like, you know, everybody makes mistakes. There's going to be, I've had like my own mortifying moments as a restaurant owner. Like, I can't believe we put that product out. And, you know, I have to go back and talk to my staff and be like, what the hell is this? You know, it happens. Let me show you that I can do a better job than that, because that is not a reflection of most of the products we put out here, you know?
0: Yeah. And and it's so hard. I mean, I, I, I deal with this personally, just with podcast reviews you know i mean people comment on how stupid i sound or whatever <laughs> and you know i i stopped reading comments a long time ago but again this is not my this is not my livelihood and this is uh, for a lot of people, Yelp and Google reviews or whatever people use, that's their livelihood. And people are pretty casual about it. And I, oh, yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's just kind of the Twitter syndrome, like we're, we feel it like is
1: definitely, shoot, it's definitely shoot our a big... shot
0: and it doesn't matter, you know? Or,
1: I think it was like early cancel culture. I think if we look back at Yelp attacks, you can see some like, what lies ahead in terms of, like before we were really canceling people, restaurants have been getting canceled for a long time. Sometimes I guess some would consider it rightfully so, but other times not. I don't particularly care for that way of going about these like internet militia. I like face-to-face. I'm like, you know, old school, like let's do this in the parking lot, you know, but don't come for me online. Like, you know, but people love that. They don't want to see you in the parking lot. They would much rather
0: Exactly. It's safer and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next one. Uh, the Holy Grail, uh, in and out Burger, over or underrated?
1: Underrated. And the only reason I would have said in the middle again, because I would think that people know it's amazing. But like when people try to compare what a burger to in and out first of all that's not a comparison those are not even the same types of burger restaurants like that's Mm -hmm. not a comparison it's just regionally you have one thing and we have another like what a burger and in and out are both amazing so i feel like that's a dumb comparison that irritates me or when people move to town and they have it and they're like "Mm, i don't like it okay well (laughs) whatever like yeah i think that's why i say underrated is I, i hear a lot of that like you know, I don't like it, but I feel like what a lot of people really don't like about like my boyfriend, for example, hates the hates lines. Mm-hmm. I feel like part of his bias is the fact that you have to wait. Each you day. have to wait. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really what it is, but he's not going to say that. He's just like, I don't, it's not that good.
0: Okay. I, I honestly think that's an illusion though. It feels like a mirage because I mean, if you go into a typical place, like you're going to wait no matter what it is. But I think people feel like they're waiting longer because, because there's the more line. people there. There's more people in the room. And so they, it's this false, this illusion that the line, the wait time is longer, but I, they're fast. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's pretty close. They I, are I, really
1: fast for the product for quality. That's the, and people see the problem is people associate in and out like it's McDonald's. It's not, it's not a bunch of unseasoned meat patties sitting in a warmer getting ready to get thrown on the grill for two seconds before they smash it between a stale bun. Like they are like cutting potatoes. (laughs) They, you know what I mean? There's a level of quality to their product and consistency. That is huge to me, you know, to think about something that I from childhood on can vet and say, this has been a consistent product my whole life that has been this good every time I've gotten it and very seldom not this good.
0: How do you think they do it financially with margins the way they are? I mean, it's so confusing to me because they're still pretty moderately priced for what they are and do all that stuff fresh. They do Uh,
1: fast food volume and they just, to me, look like they have an amazingly well set up operation. It just if you can get stuff timed that way and have the perfect amount of staff and the perfect they always have a line. They do volume, like fast food. So they get fast food prices on whatever it is that they use, you know, like a a mom and pop's restaurant can't charge you that cheap because we don't buy enough volume. So I can't, uh, my buns cost me 79 cent a piece and their buns cost them 29, you know? So
0: Mm. Uh, because they're buying so much more. What is your in and out order?
1: uh double double animal style with fries sometimes i get animal style fries when i'm depressed it's mm. really it's somehow really linked to depression
0: yeah well i mean <laughs> it's just it warms your heart so it makes sense yeah
1: just, like just need this
0: all right next one um finding buildings for being eyesores downtown is that over or underrated
1: Very useful and needed. Code enforcement is not doing enough. You're actually not finding the businesses. In most cases, you're finding the building owners who don't give a crap about these buildings and probably aren't treating their tenants very well anyway. Mm -hmm. There's probably a bunch of other stuff they need to fix that they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think fines need to happen more personally okay. sorry okay. that's probably gonna make me unpopular with some folks
0: <laughs> well I mean it makes sense right like if you're there's all this effort in throwing money into downtown and I mean it seems like it's in the building owner's best interest to have their buildings be something that people want to lease right well
1: think about it like there's a lot of the people who own these buildings in Fresno they're not their eyesores they don't live here they don't yeah. even freaking live here so they yeah, don't yeah. care i I Sometimes I think maybe these buildings are just like write-offs for them. You know, it was just a loss on your taxes because a lot of people that buy up, just like everybody buying up all the houses in Fresno right now, they're not from here. They're people with more money than we have. And they come in and they buy everything up and, you know, it's not their problem unless you make them pay for it.
0: Mm. All right. Two more on this section. Uh, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, over or underrated?
1: I think it was, it was a bit overrated. Okay. It was it was really good. I loved it. But it was definitely overrated. I mean, for the <laughs> for
0: the amount of time people were waiting, I will say I personally if I'm if you gave me the option between a Chick-fil-A sandwich, I mean, if we're just going to stick to uh, you know fast food places or whatever, the Chick-fil-A versus the Popeyes, I always go Popeyes, but I mean it's it's fine it's just a chicken sandwich. I don't know. Yeah. What's what is what, what what are some of your favorite chicken sandwiches in town? Do you have any uh do you have a list? I I have a list. Um I think you know not to attach myself to any one place but I really like Big Wagons Chicken Sandwich. I think they do a good job. There's a few others, um, but there's some options. You don't have to just... If you want a chicken sandwich, you don't have to go to Popeye's.
1: No, you definitely don't have to go to Popeye's. I have heard people say that they really like Big Wagons. Personally, I'm just going to be stuck to their tri-tip for the rest of my life. So it's not going to be the thing for me. But I would say, um, you know, I guess I'm probably not a big chicken sandwich person to really weigh in on this. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I can confidently be like, oh, you got to try this one, you know?
0: Okay. Last question. Uh, and this is not really over underrated, but just whether it was a good idea or not. Uh, opening up Fulton Street to cars.
1: I, I personally supported it before and I still support it now. I think we were in dire need of something. Um, also, there are like no walking malls left in the like most of the United States. It was like some stupid idea that someone came up with and a bunch of places did it. And then a bunch of places got rid of it. And we were one of the last places to get rid of ours. I, There is nothing that I miss about the walking mall, except being able to do events and getting away without pulling permits. <laughs> you know, Not having to shut down a street to throw a block party. That's the only thing that I miss about having the street walkable no one was walking there so 90 percent of the freaking people complaining you weren't even walking there i was there i know i was looking out of my window
0: <laughs> yeah well it just seems too like we've designed such a society for cars like and then to just arbitrarily choose one block of businesses where they don't get access to those cars, it, yeah. feels, it feels terrible. It feels yeah. like oh, you just rolled the wrong dice here, and now you now now they can't access you. There's
1: so many things I love more about driving it, and then it's opened it up to cruising, which I love. And I personally love I love when the traffic gets backed up during art hop and just seeing all that movement. Mm. And yeah, it would have been great if we could have thousands out on the mall walking, but that let's be realistic that was not happening not in decades
0: mm. so. all right let's jump to talking about the chamber of commerce okay. um the fresno metro black chamber of commerce to be specific um why do why do business needs, needs micro loans what's wrong with the loan industry that has created this need
1: um my impression is that the micro loans exist because a lot of people don't qualify for more than a micro mm. loan. Okay. Um, so that's my take on it, but I don't work in the loan industry, but that's, yeah. That's, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's, why, why might a business need a small loan like that relative to so a larger loan that you go to a bank for?
1: We, you know, oftentimes when I've seen these loans go out to folks, it's for like one piece of equipment that you maybe really needed. Um, you know, oftentimes something up to like $15,000, you can get, a, you know, a piece of equipment and a little bit of operating capital out of that or something like that. Sometimes um, people uh, take it, you know, to lock in a lease and all the costs associated with that. That's a big chunk, you know, that if you don't have to take it out of your cash, you know, getting a micro loan to pay your deposits on stuff and all of that, that might be a good option there. Okay. You know, just smaller expenses that don't. I mean, and it's not necessarily small. You know, fifteen thousand dollars for a lot of people. If you don't come from any kind of environment where people are handing you money, which a lot of people don't have that level of privilege in in our city, yeah. Then fifteen thousand dollars is not nothing. It's fifteen thousand you didn't have, and you were gonna have to figure out. You know.
0: Especially you know in a business like we've talked about with such thin margins, like that can be like a godsend, right? Because you can yes. just, you can you can live off that. For I a would never
1: bit. take out a hundred thousand dollar loan as a restaurant because to me, the restaurant business is very touch and go. Some A lot of people might disagree with me, but to me, I try to keep my overhead as small as possible because again, my profit margins are so small. A bad month can take you out. You don't want to have a large loan payment on top of that. So a $15,000 loan would be the perfect kind of loan for me or, you know, 20, 25, something like that. But I'm not trying to take big old loans and have a big old payment and have one more thing to stress about as a business owner.
0: Okay, can you talk a little bit about more what you do with the Chamber of Commerce in terms of business to business relationships? Why do businesses need to have a relationship with another business?
1: Um businesses need to have a, a, a relationship with another business because that social capital at times can be more valuable than money. You know, when I think about the things I've been able to accomplish over my career, relationships got me ten times more than money. Sure, you can go, Pay a vendor, but if you know a vendor and that's your homie and they have your back, they are that's going to be a way better experience. Because if I'm paying you, you know, you're just here to give me what I paid for, right? That's Mm -hmm. it's a very transactional. When you build relationships with other businesses and within your business community, you can lean on those folks and you guys lean on each other, right? Because that relationship is built. That's social capital to me is how I've built my career, It's just relationships. I don't, like I said, I don't come from a privileged background. I don't have a bunch of money in my pocket. Everything that I've earned so far is by making friends.
0: Mm. Can you talk about uh, that as an example, maybe some of the work you've done with Full Circle?
1: Sure, yeah, no, Um, you know, that was my first opportunity. to have my own place. And they came in and they offered, um, to get me a food truck, which was a huge offer. Again, that's a relationship thing. This is a person who's watched me in years for business and was transitioning and trying to see if we could make something work. Fortunately, that, un- unfortunately that example that didn't work out, but, um, but the that opportunity was there. You had,
0: op- you had the opportunity, the opportunity was there. Yeah. You know? But they
1: gave me that opportunity. I'm forever grateful for that, you know? And, I would hope me being there for that period of time also put some eyes on them that they didn't maybe have on them. My audience was not their audience. Their audience was not mine. So definitely I took away a new group of clients from that. I hope they did as well. That's a a great example of that social capital.
0: All right. Well, let's close by talking about book recommendations. Um, these don't have to be burger related. Although no. I'd be curious if you had a burger book.
1: When I saw the question about the books, I was like, Oh God, I never recommend books to people. Cause I really feel like how some people watch trash TV. Mm. I just read crappy books. Like oh, no, I love no, no, crappy fiction. No, in my mind, there's, derodica, no like-
0: <laughs> there's no crappy books. So fire away. Give us all, give us all you your kind favorite of I decided
1: condo. to make my recommendation, um, I decided to make my recommendation uh, Rock this by Chris Rock um it was a book that I've just read a million times I still read it to this day it cracks me up my favorite chapter is broccoli and cheese um it's just so yeah I would recommend that it's just about like when you eat something so many times that you stop liking it and then Chris Rock compares it to like vagina. <laughs> also i read this book as probably like a teenager so it was that much more (laughs) hilarious to me (laughs) and then i've over the years read it over and over and over again whenever i really need to like you know just Mm. laugh (laughs) Mm.
0: all right well let's close by talking about people can find you on the internets uh what uh your instagram handle is grumpy burger lady
1: yeah, so Grumpy Burger Lady is me, and the business is Grumpy Burger Ladies with an S, not I-E-S-Y-S, because there would be an apostrophe there. Okay. I, I really could question that, Brandy, every time I have to explain that,
0: but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, and we're also on Facebook. Um, the website should be up very soon. Um, following us on Instagram and Facebook is how you'll see all the pop-ups that we'll have coming up. Um, leading up to our storefront opening, which is happening, it has to happen. So, okay. we have uh, a projection. Um, so, uh, my grant I have to claim in the next six months, so <laughs> we're working on it. So, that okay. we know that we will have an announcement on the opening date within the next six months.
0: Okay, and uh, do you have any sneak peek of menu items that maybe people could try or get people oh, excited, yeah. I salivating? Mean,
1: One thing I'm so the only smush burgers that I've done so far because I'm working so small scale inside that little food tent is bacon and mushroom. But one of my favorite toppings to make a smush burger with when I first was like creating the smush burger is anything with blue cheese, like blue cheese and bacon, blue Mm -hmm. cheese, bacon, mushroom, because the meat is smushed into the toppings. So that blue cheese goes down first and then the meat on top of it and it just gets like crispy and perfect i love burnt cheese personally so i can't wait till i have a full setup with all the topping options and blue cheese is what i would recommend everybody try first
0: wonderful well this has been a lot of fun i feel edified in the burger domain i appreciate your expertise and uh I can't wait to try some Smush Burgers.
1: I just want to say thank you for allowing me to have this much in-depth conversation about burgers.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> will Obviously, I'm glad. I could talk
1: very passionately about this all day. So thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.